welcome back to another episode of uh, Rick's Random Ramblings. Uh, I'm your host, Rick, and uh, this is uh, season uh, two, episode uh, episode four. Pretty exciting. Um, it's a pretty long week. Uh, I got a lot of work done, uh, particularly on the website. Um, been tweaking some things, adding uh, different pages and different um, different items. Uh, quality of life uh, things most uh, mostly. Um, some really awesome stuff coming up. I added a portfolio page uh, featuring uh, my art. I figured I might as well just go ahead and um, add all that stuff um, just here. I might as well. That website's already right there. Uh, Rexrance.com. It should be like a little um, uh, a little like list of um different pages you guys can go to we got the blog we got the portfolio home about all that awesome stuff um the blog uh, i don't have anything to blog um quite yet we're just working on it i just really need to put in some extra time um somewhere around my day just to start um just to start uh writing some thoughts about whatever books i might be reading or whatever um, that's probably where I'm mostly going to be um, using it for. Mostly comic book reviews, maybe a movie review here or there. Um, but I haven't really been, uh, haven't really been watching a lot of movies. I was I was supposed to see Wakanda Forever with a friend uh, today. Um, that today being uh, November twenty sixth, but um, three hours. Oh God, guys, guys, three hours is just it's a pretty long time. And I, I didn't think I could sit through it after working a, a eleven hour shift. Um, I've been awake since four o'clock and uh, four a.m. That is, and this does not sound really appealing. Uh, sure, the movie's fine. Uh, there's probably a bunch of things I'm probably not gonna like about it. Not in terms of um, uh, I suppose not in terms of like the acting or the portrayals, but more about um the writing. Um, uh, maybe actually yes, because of the portrayals, yes. The betrayals are like the lead characters or the supporting characters. How Namor? Uh, maybe I hope Namor is pretty good in that movie. Um, I don't know. Maybe I get around to watching it. Uh, the chance of me watching it is probably pretty much slim to none. Um, I just haven't really been excited for most of the most of the Marvel projects for the last uh, year or so. There were like pieces of some of the projects that I really liked. I really liked, or maybe even loved. But um, nothing too uh, concrete, nothing that um, really drew me in and made me think, wow, that was a banger. That was a wow. Um, Captain America and the Winter Soldier was pretty great. Or Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I mean. Uh, that was actually pretty great. I really did like that. Um, the antagonist was kind of meh, but the action scenes and the this is the chemistry between the two uh, protagonists was, just, was pretty awesome. I really liked it, the little... Little stuff between them, like the little banter or whatever it was, you know. But that that stuff was really great. Anthony Mackie and um Sebastian uh Stan, I think his name is, uh plays Winter Soldier. They did a great job. Uh maybe there wasn't enough of an emphasis on um Winter Soldier. I feel like you kinda got sidelined a bit. Um, but you know, it, uh, overall, I really did like that one. That was probably the last one I really uh, thoroughly enjoyed because it felt like, you know, it, I don't know. It felt it felt like a comic. I can't really describe uh, what I mean by that. 
I don't know. This felt like a Captain, an actual Captain America comic. Like I, I suppose I would have to pull out an actual co- Captain America comic and then put it side by side with it with the TV show. And um, I don't know. I really like that one, but the other MCU projects, they're not, they're not bad, um, in my opinion. They're just not great, um, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. And that is totally fine. Um, I'm really happy for those who were really enjoying it. However, for myself. It could be better. It could be a lot better, I think. Um, I not only have any problems with the acting or the special effects or any stuff, but that stuff, like, that stuff to me is, um, that's just, like, icing on the cake. I think a movie can have, uh, like, really bad uh, special effects or really bad, um, like, uh, well, maybe, okay, maybe not that bad, uh, camera angles and you know director vision and whatever else have you acting and i don't know it kind of reminds me of the old school star wars movies um where the acting was like really poor other than like harrison ford's or uh, alec mcginnis or uh the guy who played grandma tarkin what was his name oof peter cushing there we go i know i, I know i remember it um he's one of my favorite actors like those three or four guys were like the only actual actors out there. The rest of them were like, the rest of the Star Wars cast were kind of just fillers, or just people just fresh out of you know acting school or whatever, or just maybe even just high school, just kind of like hanging out. Uh, what a time it must have been to be alive in the late seventies, huh? You just kind of show up like, hey man, I want a job, and they were like, yeah, sure man, you got it. That stuff wasn't really cool. Uh. So that's, that's my MCU rant. Um, yeah, but Star Wars is pretty awesome, despite its mediocre acting. Uh, the special effects are really dated, but it's still, like, you can just enjoy it for what it is. And I feel like that's the same thing with a lot of MCU projects. Uh, just enjoy them for the way they are. And I, I try my best, especially when I'm watching comic book movies, not to look at them from uh, a comic book accuracy um, standpoint, because I know if I do, I'm probably going to end up disappointed, and I really don't like to be disappointed or negative, especially about films, because I love, like, when I, I read comics because, uh, obviously, I love them, because, like, I have such a strong passion for the comic books, uh, this comic book media, like, the, just the actual media, the, the way they're presented, the way they look, the way they're written. I, I love everything about them. So when I go to watch a movie, this is like not even a comic book related movie, just a generic movie. I'm I'm doing it to decompress myself. Um, I'll watch bad movies. I'll watch really cheesy movies. I'll watch like, you know, fantastic films, like, you know, ones that like won like numerous awards or whatever else have you. And I'll just sit there for like, hours or whatever it is like you know two three so unfortunately a lot of them are in fact three hours but i'll sit there and i was like wow this is this, you know this is nice this is great and i'm just doing it just to, just to decompress my brain and i know that's probably um really ironic especially for like film buffs like i have a friend okay i don't want to name him i don't want to put him on blast but he'll like dissect a film step by step and like frame by frame the same way i would dissect a comic book panel by panel and i think that's awesome but for myself personally that's not why i go to watch a movie um 
watch a movie just uh for entertainment like genuine entertainment purposes not that i go to comic books for like a different type of thing but like it's something a little bit deeper than that it's like i understand comics a lot better than i understand film there's nothing wrong with that we each like especially as like artists or um just uh uh consumers we we take things differently different things draw us in during different media it, it could be anything whether it's um film television comic books novels um plays i know i know a lot of friends that that love plays and i'm not too big on plays but uh, I, I can definitely see the the appeal of them uh so i suppose it's mostly a rant about media uh, the different forms that stories really take place and um different ways that can be uh presented it just so happens my preferred method even video games really um really when you think about it like the way the video game genre has um has really progressed is pretty fantastic i gotta say like it's thinking about where we started right we started with pong okay and pac-man okay or even if you want to really break it down we started with um a pinball uh with a pinball machine right like that was like the basic video game and to think where we are now you know we got super mario you know, Legend of Zelda, and we got the Metal Gear series, or we got the Sonic series, and we kept on going forward, GoldenEye, and Doom, and Tetris, and all these different games, like strategy games, and then, like, really deep, in-depth storytelling with, um, whether it be, re like, Resident Evil, or, um, or the uh, God of War series, or Mass Effect, or Knights of the Old Republic, you know, all these really deep, Deep games, Final Fantasy. That's probably the one I probably should have said first, right? Like you think about, think about that, right? It used to be just about function. Okay, this is the pattern that this boss moves in, or this is the, um, this is the correct way to um, get over a platforming section in a Mario game. And now we're at this point where we're telling genuine stories, great stories. Some of my favorite stories come from video games, and now this is where we're at. Like, it got to the point where by the time I was a teenager, I stopped playing video games for the actual gameplay and more for the actual, like, just a story. Like, what was going to happen next? This character's put in this position, and he has to make a decision. And what decision is he going to make? How's he going to react to this, um, this fantastic series of events that have led him up to this moment? Especially with like RPG games and stuff like that. That's when like that's when my brain goes wild. I'm like, wow, what decisions my character gonna make? What decision can I make out of like three or four different choices that the game gives me? Like Elder Scrolls, um, the Elder Scrolls series. Um, it's it's just great. It's fantastic. And you look at where we where we started and where we are now, and it's like a plethora of video games out there. I can I can only imagine what it must have been like in like the early eighties or mid eighties or you know late seventies where all you had was like five or six different games and that's all you could play. Like that must have been crazy. Like we start thinking about the arcade machines back in the day. Stuff like that to me is like really, really awesome. My brother's snoring incredibly loud. Um he's asleep a few feet away from me, but it sounds like he's right next to me. And um it's kind of funny. But um, 
I'm not speaking too loud. I don't think it's going to disturb his sleep. He is, he's really deep in his sleep, bud. Anyways, storytelling. That, that's that's essentially the, the main gist of this. Um, not going to lie, I, I can't remember. I don't remember how we got here. Must have been something about a movie I was been talking about earlier, but uh, I'm just sitting here and it's just like, just like thinking about it. You know, different media, the uh, different types of storytelling we can have. There's like when video games started doing um, interactive uh, sequences where you had to press like certain buttons uh, during a cutscene in order to, for a character to do an action or, or perform a different type of move. Uh, and then failing would get you a game over. Well, I think it might might have been the second or third God of War game that really started that. That really main, uh, I believe, really uh, set it in the mainstream. I, I think. Um, I never actually finished that series. Not that I think about it. It's like dabble with it. But yeah, stuff like that's just awesome. So, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Um, other than that, that was that was pretty much my week. Other than you know the secular job. Day job, uh, different things, different, all kinds of uh, different names you can call it. It was kind of meh, you know, stuff happens, day job stuff. Uh, I got a few art projects done, um, mostly just like small stuff, nothing like major. I need some homage covers. One of them should be up on the website now, um, on uh, uh, com forward slash. Portfolio, I believe, should be the uh, the link, and yeah, yeah, it is awesome. Well, that I memorized my own uh, URL. This is pretty awesome. I love having a website. This is like this. This is probably the coolest thing I've ever done, other than the actual like podcast. Um, it is really cool being able to organize um uh, all my all my stuff all on one page. Um, that's not like connected to just Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever. It's kind of just there for everyone to see. So I really like that. Um, so uh, last week, uh, yeah, was, yeah, exactly a week ago, uh, we uh, read together, or hopefully you guys follow along, uh, Uncanny X-Men uh, 90, uh, 97 and 98. Uh, this week, we will be moving on to Uncanny X-Men number 99 and number 100. Um, so... Uh, those issues are, um, they're pretty big issues. Uh, uh, back in the day, a, uh, comic hitting, uh, its hundredth issue was a milestone. It still is a milestone. Uh, it just so happened back in the day, especially for X-Men, it was even bigger milestone because X-Men at this point, uh, it, most of the books that came out around the same time period in Marvel were already well past their hundredth issue. Uh, for instance, Spider-Man hit his 100th issue in like 1969, 1968. Uh, Avengers hit their 100th issue in like 1971. And Fantastic Four hit their 100th issue in like 1967, 1968, somewhere around there. So uh, X-Men had a lot of catching up to do. Uh, so X-Men number 99 hit the shelves on uh, June 1st, 1976. So that means the issue, uh, remember, keep in mind, uh, X-Men was a bi-monthly book. So that meant it came out every two months, unlike normal comic books, which come out every month. 
So that means that uh, issue 100 uh, came out sometime around August of 1976. So X-Men was already pretty far behind the uh, behind the eight ball, so to speak, when it came to milestone issues. Obviously, there was issue 50, but uh, X-Men didn't really do anything special with uh, issue 50. Uh, it was just like a regular uh, story. Unfortunately, well, back in the day, issue like 50th issues weren't really like big. Although technically, I guess uh, Uncanny X Men issue 50 was pretty big because it was the uh, it was the first appearance of Polaris, I believe, or her first cover appearance at the very least. Um, so that was, that was pretty awesome. It's a really cool Jim Strangle cover. Uh, I love that book. It's really awesome. It, it's just really cool looking. That that's all I can really say about it. So that um. X-Men hitting issue 100 was a major thing. And uh, obviously, Claremont and Crockroom had to do something that would be amazing. Something that would be fantastic. Something that would be, like, memorable. And I definitely think within these two issues, or at least issue 100, they definitely did something that was... Um, that really did stick with at least me as a kid uh, reading this. Uh, I was really confused as a kid as a, to what was really going on. As an adult, you can definitely see the hints of what's really going on here. So it's pretty awesome. Uh, and yeah, that's that, that's about it. Uh, I'm just going to take a quick break. And then we're just going to dive right into Uncanny X-Men number 99. Uh, don't go anywhere. Okay. So, X-Men number 99. Um gorgeous cover uh once again uh not, not very unsurprisingly uh written by uh the legendary chris claremont the best x-men writer um uh, you could also probably make an argument he's probably the second best uh x-men writer because stanley is the uh creator of the x-men alongside uh jack king kirby of course Let's never leave that man out um and uh once again penciled by uh the great dave crockroom love that guy you guys already know. I probably sound like a broken record at this point, but yeah, he's awesome. Uh, and this time we actually have a different uh, anchor. Sam Granger's taking the day off. Uh, Frank, uh, well, probably gonna butcher his name. Uh, Frank Chiramonte. I think that's how you say his name. Very sorry, Frank. Um, the book does look a little different. Mm, not not so much so different um, without uh, uh, Sam Granger, uh, but different enough that uh, you can kind of see uh, that Frank puts a little more um, puts some like it was like uh, n not heavier lines, but he puts like um, I don't really know how to describe uh, quite how his inks are. There's more like brush strokes if that makes sense there's more um there's more detail into his inks um than sam um much more like line uh much, much more like lines and uh heavier inks i would say although that's not so uncommon though for uh crockroom's pencils um we've seen before uh how is uh at least I hope you guys have looked up his pencils uh, before online. Um, his pencils tend to have a lot of shading and lots of um, lots of death, lots of uh, rendering. So um, not 
too surprising to see that uh that's how um our our buddy frank here um inks uh days work uh so issue number 99 uh titled uh x-men death star rising it's a fantastic cover uh all all these covers are fantastic i'll probably bash only two covers in this uh this 40 something issue run from issue uh, uh 94 to 143 uh so the first thing that really pops to me is that uh, this book says it's still only 25 cents. I can only imagine uh, being a teenager or a kid and buying this book for 25 cents. That's definitely not how much I paid for this book um, like what, a, a year or two ago uh, when I was going. And this was one of the last X-Men books I bought. I couldn't really find a condition that I liked. So I just, I just waited until I found a decent condition or a copy that I liked at the very least. So um, there's a great, uh, this cover's fantastic. There's a great shot of uh, two Sentinels uh, attacking the X-Men. I'm sorry, three Sentinels. There's a third one uh, hiding right behind Nightcrawler. He's like, he's pretty small in the shot. Uh, on the cover, we have Banshee. Oh, four Sentinels. Oh, never mind. Oh, well. Crockham is really playing with us uh, this issue. There's one right in between Banshee and Colossus. You can really miss him. Uh, Cyclops, Storm, Nightcrawler, Colossus, and um, Banshee are covered in like, like some, kind of, some kind of like bubble. And Cyclops is struggling to get free. I love that shot. That's, that's awesome. Uh, and uh, Colossus comments that even if the X-Men escape the energy uh, spheres of the Sentinels, how can they possibly survive the vacuum of space? Now that Colossus is an excellent question. How can the X-Men survive the, the, the vacuum of space? It's, well, I mean, I guess Colossus can, because Colossus, while he's at least in his armored form, he does not need to breathe. Um, I don't think that was quite established uh, yet. That, that comes a lot later. But uh, that, that is the matter thing. So technically, Colossus could survive it. So, in the previous issue, uh, it ended with um, with uh, Banshee, Jean Grey, and Wolverine kidnapped by the Sentinels. They busted out their prison, expecting to be a uh, home-free home, and turns out they're actually uh, on a space shuttle in outer space. Uh, Banshee and the others are terrified, um, obviously. And this cover, uh, this book, opens with a lovely, a beautiful splash page. Okay, uh, it's got you know the typical uh, Marvel uh, comics caption, uh, Indica, and uh, Banshee is horrified. Uh, what he sees, he has no more breath, so he can no longer. Um, he can no longer fly or direct his um, his uh, his flight abilities, and Wolverine and Jean uh, lie helplessly floating in outer space. It's awesome. It, it's it's generally just a really really good uh, splash page. The Earth is in the background. The space shuttle is also uh, the bottom right hand corner on opposite on the opposite side of the uh, the Earth. It's just I can't say enough good great things about this cover. 
uh, you know, got the space background. It, it gives you a little Star Trek or Star Wars vibes. It's it, it's very good. It's great. So, uh, and the next page is pretty awesome because um, it's like a, like a uh, ten grid uh, panel page uh, showcasing uh, the Sentinels recovering Banshee, Gene, and Wolverine. And on the right side of that page is a uh, Cyclops and Professor Xavier's friend who was um, who witnessed his kidnapping, uh, searching for uh, the the missing X Men essentially. Now, without going to spoilers, uh, the gist of this ep- of this uh, of this issue is the X Men are essentially embarking on a rescue mission. Uh, and the uh, the captured X Men are uh, they've come to learn that the uh, man who just kidnapped them, uh, Doctor Stephen Lang, does not want to kill them. He needs them alive, but for what purpose? And that's something we're going to find out in this issue. Uh, this issue is pretty fantastic. Um, it, it's gripping, especially especially if you're a kid, um, especially if you're a kid who doesn't know that that this series lasts another like 400 issues uh this is a really really uh this is another story because remember uh way back in issue 95 actually that's not not the way back but it's like only a few issues ago but uh it feels like a long time ago doesn't it uh the first thing chris claremont uh did was kill off uh a mainstay on the x-men uh thunderbird uh he was new to the story However, killing off a main character like that, especially in the 70s and 60s, was almost unheard of. This meant that, like, nobody's technically untouchable. Anybody could die in this new series. This this isn't your daddy's X-Men. This is the next generation of X-Men. This is like Star Trek The Next Generation before Star Trek The Next Generation was even a thing. This was something so much more serious. So, as a, as a kid, not knowing that the X-Men books are still going on, like... You're 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 very, you're very nervous. You don't know, like, oh my gosh, this could be uh, the end of another X Man. Maybe it would be Banshee. Uh, maybe it would be Gene, or somehow even with Wolverine's remarkable healing factor, maybe even he might be killed. But we wouldn't know until we read the book, right? Or maybe on the way to the space shuttle, maybe Storm ends up suffocating and dies. Um, yeah, maybe Nightcrawler or something happens to him, or even Cyclops, a team leader. So this was something that was that was huge, especially for a uh, you know a little ten year old me, you know, optimistic, excited to read this next gripping issue of X Men. This was awesome. Obviously, as, a, as an adult, you kind of maybe you become a little more relaxed to it. But just thinking about it in terms of that, in the context of that, trying to think about what a reader at the nineteen seventy six might have been thinking while reading this is something that I find exciting. And sometimes I mean do the same thing with movies that I really do enjoy, like what the audience might have thought about uh, Empire Strikes Back. Like wh- wh- that must have been mind-boggling. Uh, finding that Luke Skywalker's uh, uh, father was actually Darth Vader this whole time, like that, that must have been amazing, you know. Um, so this is like there's just like things going through my mind while I'm reading this book um, in a non-spoiler uh, fashion. So the X Men uh, essentially just. Um, they borrow a shuttle. That's probably that's probably a proper word to use. 
and they go up to the Sentinel base to go rescue X Men. That that's pretty much the gist of the of the of the non spoilery review. I'll leave it at that. Um, it's it's a, overall it's a great issue. Once again, it is eighteen pages, or I think the last issue might have might have been nineteen ish nineteen uh, pages. So they kind of like alternate eighteen nineteen pages each. Uh, sometimes they might flip it. They might change it a little bit. Uh, X Men has become like a twenty-two pager until you know later on to the series. We still got a few issues to go before um, before X Men really gets to that. Unfortunately, I kind of wish that it wasn't, but um, yeah, it's kind of unfortunate. But that's uh, you know you got to make do with what you got, um, and that's something that um, that I can't really complain or fault Claremont or Crockram. I'm not too sure if they were in charge of the page, page counts or maybe the uh, editor. Um, actually, let's double check the editor uh, on this book. I want to say it's Marv Wolfman, but it's possible it's not. Yeah, Marv Wolfman. Yes, he is. He's in fact the editor. Yep. Let's see what I knew that on the first try. Um, it's possible that Marv Wolfman thought that because this was a bi-monthly title, they didn't need the full 22 pages because they the book was probably going to cancel anyways. But what surprises me is that like, this book is fantastic. Um, this series has been fantastic since ever since issue 94. Ever since Giant Size, ever since X-Men number one, this series has been top tier. And uh, it kind of surprised me that it wasn't monthly until, you know, an, another like 10 issues almost. It, it, I think 108 or 109 might have been, it might have been its uh, first like ongoing monthly, um, return to monthly form since, you know, issue 10. Uh, and that's kind of mind-boggling to think about. That would be like over 12 years before this moment. Uh, so it, it's it the the book reads it reads well enough. There's plenty of dialogue. There's there's plenty of action. There's a great little uh, villain monologue about uh about Stephen Lang. Uh, he he's a he's a very scary villain. He's like a typical uh, Nazi ex, you know, uh, supervillain. Um, it, it's pretty great. Uh, that's that's all I really say for the non-spoilery stuff. Um, I'm gonna go give you guys a second if you guys want to skip ahead. Uh, hopefully, you guys have been reading along with us. Uh, so that way, I don't have to spoil anything for you guys. Okay, let's go right into the spoilers because I, I can't I can't contain myself anymore. Okay, so while the X Men are uh, uh, borrowing that shuttle uh, alongside uh, Professor Xavier's friend, uh, the Doctor guy, um, actually I, I can't remember his name because he's like he kind of don't really see him after the story, so he's almost irrelevant, uh, which is pretty funny. He probably comes up a name like you know, a few issues later, but uh, he kind of just is there, but um. Essentially, the X-Men steal the shuttle and uh, they try to pretend like they're trying to land into the shuttle until the, into the other space shuttle that uh, is controlled by Stephen Lang. And they're uh, saying that they're uh, running low on um, on fuel and the radiation levels are going to the danger zone. So they need sanctuary at this, at this giant space station. And Stephen Lang says, uh, no. No, you're not allowed 
to have sanctuary here. And that's when the mutant detector goes off the chart. Somehow they're able to detect the Stephen Lang and his people are able to detect the mutants and who's aboard. So they're like, oh wait, never mind. Let's let them let's let them come closer and then we'll unleash Sentinel. So Sentinels attack and the uh the shuttle is uh the shuttle's hull is uh, busted to which storm falls into space. And at this point, um as a kid, I thought, oh my god, they just killed off Storm. She's dead. Because uh, each character has like a thought bubble while they're launching off into outer space about um, what's going to happen. Uh, what's going to happen with their lives. Um, like uh, what's going through their mind. Cyclops wonders if Gene's still okay. If this could be his uh, his last mission. Uh, how much he loves her and how much he, he wishes he could tell her that he he does love her uh, once again. And uh, meanwhile, uh, Storm is, uh, ha- she has like quasophobia, so she's very nervous being inside a space shuttle shoot, uh, suit. So she's really freaking out and uh, Colossus feels helpless while, um, while Nightcrawler wants, just wants to have some fun, which is kind of funny for his character. Um, he just he's just in it for a good time. He's trying to be the best version of himself he can be, but also really trying to have some fun. Really strange, um, strange thought bubble for him. So Storm getting released into into the vacuum in outer space. Uh, as a kid, I thought she was gonna die. I was like, oh god, they just killed another X Men. And as a kid, I love Storm because she she can control, she can, she can uh, control the weather. That's severely overpowered. That's like that's really good. That's great stuff. Um. That power is amazing, and uh, just her personality was very appealing. You know, a little naive, but generally good person type of vibes that I really did enjoy from her character. So, anyways, as we uh, turn the page, turns out she's not actually dead. She's she is in fact alive. Uh, somehow, she's able to control weather even in space, and is able to kill the Sentinels or at least destroy them because technically the Sentinels are never alive. All the while, the um, the X Men crash into uh, Stephen Lang's uh, space shuttle, and they start basically whooping the Sentinels' butts. Uh, Colossus is incredibly frustrated because of what happened to Storm and the lack of empathy that uh, Cyclops seems to have, and uh, how he's just not. Um, He's like almost emotionless, like he doesn't care. And meanwhile, Cyclops is we we the audience know that Cyclops is like this because he has to keep a clear head. He's uh, he's a team leader and he's trying his very best um, to make the right call in the face of danger or in uh, stressful situations. Colossus, of course, being a newer X Man, does not understand this, and, and potentially Nightcrawler and. Uh, and, uh, and definitely Colossus. We definitely see that. Uh, so uh, while Cyclops is, uh, tells the X-Men to fan out and start looking for Gene uh, and the rest of the X-Men that are missing, Banshee and Wolverine, a Colossus outburst and breaks Cyclops. However, it turns out Storm's actually alive. She's well and dandy. And Colossus gives her a great big hug. And... Um, uh, He's interrupted uh, by Cyclops uh, having a uh, psychic uh, 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 conversation, essentially. I'm going to call it a conversation. 
uh, with Jean Grey. And she says that they're, um, they've been kidnapped and um, they need help. And uh, she basically gives them their, their locations. Uh, Professor Xavier is uh, held separate from the other, uh, other three X-Men. So Cyclops tells the three new X-Men, that being Colossus, Storm, and Nightcrawler, to uh, go get Wolverine and Banshee. And he'll go rescue um, Jean and Professor Xavier while he beats up uh, Stephen Lang, essentially. He wants Stephen Lang's blood. This man is pissed. Uh, Lang just kidnapped his, uh, his, his, probably his fiance, his girlfriend, his lover, however you want to label Jean at this point. Uh, and he's just really, really pissed. He wants to beat this guy up. And let me tell you, the um, the final panel on page 15 is sexy. The look of disgust and determination on Cyclops' face is just fantastic. Dave Crockroom did a fantastic job with this. I love this panel so much. Um, it's the way his face is drawn. His his uh, optic blasts are um, they're like flaring up like he's bursting with energy and anger. He's got his fists clenched up close to his face. All oh, that look of dramatic, like a really dramatic look on his uh, face. Uh, his teeth like grinding together. His nose is all uh, crinkled. He looks pissed. He's upset. He's furious. He's every negative uh, or egg, or uh, he's like he's just in a really aggressive mood. He's he's pissed. That's, that's all I can really say about him. It's, he's really tight. It's, uh, I'm going to go and take a screenshot of that so that we can remember to, to go ahead and post that on the, uh, the Instagram account so you guys can go and see this. Like He is he's tight. That's, that's, the, that's the best way I can really um, describe it. Uh, so Cyclops and the X-Men split up and they go to, uh, to each of their assignments. Cyclops uh, finds Jean and Professor Xavier. They're both inside uh, like a little test tube chamber, it looks like. Uh, and um, Stephen Lang remarks to himself that the reason why the Sentinels were so easy to kill was because they were second-rate Sentinels. Those were not the true Sentinels, the original Sentinels that the X-Men fought all the way back in Uncanny X-Men uh, number 12. These Sentinels are the Sentinels that uh, uh, that uh, uh, Trash's son, Larry, created these are like the lower end ones much easier to destroy make it made of uh cheaper uh materials so they're much easier to uh just basically squash and beat up so while um while lang is ranting about this uh, to himself and to the unconscious uh genius professor xavier suddenly cyclops busts through the door with his optic blast and tells him that he's gonna beat him up uh that's pretty much it and uh, he starts beating up this guy, pummeling him to like death because, um, and we know he's pummeling him to death uh, because Jean says it. She says, "Cyclops, for pity's sake, uh, stop! You're killing him." Uh, we don't really see it because it kind of happens off screen. All we really see is Cyclops' fists hit him. Uh, we don't really see his body. We see his body fall uh, backwards, but we don't really see his face until the next. Page on panel four, we see a close up of his face, and his face looks demolished. Uh, Cyclops is knocked down by um, actually, 
Yeah, we don't even know. We don't know yet. It's by Shadow. Uh, we'll find out next issue, which is uh, pretty awesome. Kind of, um, I just realized it too. That's pretty funny. Um, I don't think I ever realized it as a kid. Um, now, obviously, I know what it is, but I don't want to spoil it just yet because it's for the next issue. Uh, it's pretty awesome. And um, Trask, uh, not Trask. Oh, God. I'm getting the names mixed up. Um, Lang gets back up. And his face is like, his face is pretty messed up. Like, it's it's incredibly messed up. He barely has any face left. Like, he's been he's been put through the ringer. Uh, Cyclops can, as it turns out, hit pretty hard. So, uh, he says that uh, Project Armageddon was not the, about the Sentinels. It was actually about the unseen character who uh, knocked out Cyclops. So, uh... As the other X-Men race towards uh, Wolverine and Banshee, uh, they they success, successfully um, uh, rescue them. So now right now they're re- uh, rushing and running towards uh, back to Cyclops so they can help him. And just as they get there, they have a look of astonishment, and um, they're like, "There's no way that this uh, this could be real." And we turn the page. On the final page, page 18 of issue number 99, the original X-Men stand uh, in their way. And they're telling them that they um, there's no joke because the X-Men don't do jokes and they hate imposters. And right at the bottom of the page, Professor Charles Xavier tells the X-Men to kill the imposters, pointing at Wolverine, Colossus, Storm, Banshee, and Nightcrawler. And right there, at the bottom of the page, it says, next, X-Men versus X-Men to the death. And let me tell you something. Ten-year-old me was hyped. I could not stop turning the pages. Here it is. They're Cyclops, the original X-Men, okay? Cyclops, Marvel Girl, Angel, Beast, and Iceman, with Professor Xavier right in the center, ready to fight Colossus, Storm, Banshee, Nightcrawler, and Wolverine. This was amazing. This was mind-boggling to me. This was like, this was it. This was my Avengers Endgame for 10-year-old me. Like, 5v5, OG X-Men versus the all-new, all-different X-Men. I was hyped. That, that's, that's all I can really say. I'm sorry. I probably yelled that right into the mic, but I was I was hyped. That's the only way I can really describe it. I, I was so excited. Uh, uh, Angel was wearing his cool blue and white costume. Um, the blue and red one might be a little bit better, but do each his own. Uh, I like the blue one. I really do like the blue costume on uh, Angel, and this was this was it. This book was awesome. Like everything about this book is, is great. There's so many. Like this, this final page, this giant splash page, the book, the book begins with a splash page and the book ends with a splash page, and I love it. It, it it's great. It, it's, it's fantastic. Like Dave Crocker went all out, and that's all I can really say. Guys, once again, read X Men. Do yourself a favor, you guys aren't reading this run. Please read it. Marvel Unlimited, uh, buy the singular issues, buy the collected editions, buy the Omnibus, do whatever it takes. Read this. 
this was awesome. Uh, so the next issue, awesome stuff happens. Issue number 100, X-Men versus X-Men. And, oh, goodness gracious. I want I have to take a look at issue number 100's cover. It's awesome. It says, X-Men versus X-Men in the battle to the death, betrayed by Professor Xavier. It's awesome. Still 25 cents, folks. It was still 25 cents. All right. Well, that was issue uh, 99. That was awesome. That was a wild ride. Um, lots of action. Lots of sentinel killing. Lots of destruction. Lots of twists and turns. We watched Cyclops beat a man almost to death before Gene finally stopped him. That was dope. Um, I'm just going to take a quick break, and then we're, we're going to dive right into issue number 100. Um, spectacular issue. Uh, probably one of my top favorite X-Men books, just because the, the cover's awesome. Like, it's X-Men um, getting ready to fight X-Men. I mean, what more could you want from a Bronze Age book, guys? Uh, we'll, be, we'll be right back. Uh, don't go anywhere, guys. Okay, we're back. Uh, uh, time for the wrap-up. Uh my dog's um my dog's being really noisy um he won't stop uh just i don't know he, he's rolling around the floor so it probably means that he wants um he wants my attention but uh that was today's episode i thank you guys very much for uh joining me this is like about the fourth time i tried to record the wrap-up but something keeps on interrupting me whether it be the um the dog wanting to uh just vying for my attention or the doorbell uh constantly ringing lots of uh packages coming out um these last few weeks um but you know what we, we did it we're, we're here we're at the end of the episode and it's awesome to be here really do enjoy uh recording the podcast uh the process uh coming up with what we're going to talk about uh the next episode or um what particular issue that we're talking about, whether it be comics or, you know, movies, video games, whatever. I mean, right now we're, we're primarily talking about comics. This is primarily, I, 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 when I described it uh, to, whenever I, whenever I do describe it to most people, I literally describe it as a uh, pop culture podcast because it's a lot easier. Um, it's a lot easier to explain. Because, I mean, although we haven't really, for the last few episodes, really been going over movies and video games and television, that will be coming soon. Uh, just not yet. Uh, I'm just having too much fun talking about X-Men with you guys. Um, I got some really positive feedback um, from the last few episodes, so I I'm pretty hyped about it. Uh, you know, hearing stuff like that really, uh, it makes recording the podcast even more enjoyable knowing that people out there uh, are really enjoying it as well and that makes it that makes it even better um i primarily created this podcast um just to share my thoughts and ideas about whatever comic book i was reading or whatever movie i was watching because um i used to hear a lot of opinions um that uh that were definitely valid but i just there are some things that i just didn't feel were uh i felt like uh someone had to clear the air so to speak and i'm really happy to do that with whatever particular topic we're on um so it's just really awesome uh don't forget um follow me uh instagram at rick's random ramblings uh twitter 
Uh, that's uh, my Twitter uh, handle. Should be the Dark Nut Rises or the Dark Nut. It should be either or. I'm going to double check for you guys because I forget all the time. Uh, I'm not very good at remembering my own uh, social media handles. I, I I mean, I'm on social media. Oh, never mind. Hold on. Uh, my Twitter handle is Rick Molinado 97. Uh, and if you guys want to follow my art account, that uh, is just the Dark Nut uh, Rises. Um, I probably should change my Twitter handle now, shouldn't I? But um, I don't really keep track of um, those kind of things. It's kind of just there. And then whenever I get around to posting, I do. I probably should be posting more so uh, you guys can uh, see and learn uh, more about uh, this other stuff I do outside of uh, you know ranting about comics and superheroes and fictional characters. But that stuff's all good and dandy. Uh, don't forget rexrants.com. That's um, it's a website, uh, central hub, so to speak, of uh, all the stuff I do, whether it be art, um, graphic design, uh, the podcast, or even blogs. I'm working on some blogs right now, some like write-ups and stuff like that. I hope to have those done, I don't want to say next week, but we're pushing for next week. Um, day job is just driving me nuts right now. Um you know, lots of like nonsense, people always calling out, you know, you know, the big guy boss has to go and take care of it, yada, yada, yada. Just, you know, uh, the usual stuff. If we're up to me, I would probably do this all day. Um, I do want to eventually move away from some of the X-Men stuff. Um, I know we have been talking about X-Men for the last like four episodes, maybe five episodes. I can't remember what episode we're on, honestly. Uh, but, uh, just uh moving towards some DC stuff because you guys know I'm, I love DC. Uh, I mean, I'm from a pretty big Marvel guy all around, but listen, when DC is good, it's really good. Um, a lot of people don't really put much respect in DC comics, um, which is really unfortunate. It's this past like generation or, or two, maybe just like, yeah, last two generations really just kind of dunk on DC and it's. Honestly, it's a bit of a uh, it's a bit of a shame because DC is like, like when when you ask uh, your grandparents, maybe your parents, uh, who's their favorite superhero? Nine times out of ten, they're probably going to say Superman or Batman, maybe Wonder Woman, because those characters are like those characters are like household names. Like, yeah, sure, uh, you ask someone uh, if they like the Hulk or the like you know, Spider-Man, yada, yada. But, like, how many people can really tell you who the Guardians of the Galaxy are? Like, I'm sorry to say, but Peter Quill and, you know, uh, and uh, Gamora and the rest of them, they're not really household names. Those aren't people you think of. Captain Marvel isn't, like, a character. Like, if I said Captain Marvel, like, you know, let's talk, let's talk about the generic Captain Marvel, right? I didn't explain which one I was talking about. Most people would just think of Shazam. Uh, just because that's just that's that's how it was up until you know I mean it has been like five decades right but still I just think DC is really underrated and uh, I want to get around to it especially like JSA and um, the Justice League and Green Lantern and Flash and all those characters those are like classic characters those are iconic characters that still to this day are uh, influencing pop culture and various uh, media. You know, we see like Robert Kirkman made a bunch of like uh, parodies or uh, homages to those characters, like just like characters in his Invincible series, you know, so stuff like that. I really 
really want to delve deep into and the jsa is like number one on my list it's something i've been meaning to uh, talk about uh either on the podcast or just on the website in general or on social media because i love the jsa um there are a bunch of superheroes from um the 1940s and the comics basically about them getting old like what happens to you like like what's your legacy like have you done all the things that you uh you set out to do in your life and what are you going to do with the time you have left so like those are the type of things i really like uh in my stories in general i love stories about old people you know or not i shouldn't say old people i'm sorry it's a little rude um maybe like senior citizens i suppose or like middle-aged uh people because it's just their lives are so interesting you know seeing like uh how their lives have really affected them or um, this is things they went through uh, made them either you know, really cynical or still like peppy and happy go lucky, you know, and love stories like that. That's probably the reason why I'm a little excited about the Indiana Jones uh, five, just because um, it's about old man Indy like that, that that's like my bread and butter, you know? So having a bunch of superheroes that are like, you know, approaching retirement age like you know late 50s early 60s that to me is really exciting and maybe that is a little niche but like come on you're dealing with some of the original uh superheroes not not just from um you know marvel or dc like this one like the ogs like this dates all the way back to like 1941 you know so it's it's awesome so uh that about does it for uh, this episode guys i will see you guys next week this is definitely going up on saturday uh the uh december 3rd i've been trying to keep uh my recordings about a week in advance uh just so happens this wrap-up ends uh the day before so uh we did see a bunch of movie trailers i'm probably going to talk about those either next week in the opening but uh, where you're probably most likely going to be doing Uncanny X-Men issue 101 and 102 next week because um, those are some pretty landmark issues. Those are like fantastic comics that um, really influenced uh, my love for the genre. I love, uh, you, guys, well, you guys probably already know this, I love X-Men. Uh, I, I, I probably said like a million times by now. You guys are probably tired of hearing it, but I, I really do love it. I love it just as much as... Um, I don't know. It's not like the hedgehog likes chili dogs, you know, and it's just awesome. Uh-huh. But that's enough for, for me. That's enough ranting for uh, today, uh, for this episode. Uh, thank you guys very much for listening. Uh, now I'll catch you guys next week. So uh, take care.